This episode of Control Delete is brought to you by USAA. USAA is passionate about what they do, ensuring the financial security of the military community and their families. And as an employer, USAA creates conditions for employees to succeed. USAA is hiring for customer service reps, designers, developers, insurance, banking, and more. Visit them online and see over 200 jobs available. It's an organization that provides opportunities for you to collaborate, create, and lead. Find your purpose with USAA. Visit usaajobs.com and join the team. Hello, and welcome to Control Out Delete, a podcast now featuring 100% less fake news than our competition. That intro, I'm reading this because it's an amazing name. That intro comes from Mike Singletary. <laughs> <laughs> it's not actually Mike Singletary, it's Michael Singletary on Twitter. He's at Singletary. Very appropriate because Walt and I have been arguing about football for uh, uh, texting each other trash talk about football for a week now. Anyway, yeah, I'm right. Neil Patel, the Energy of the Verge. I'm joined as always by friend Walt Mossberg, uh, editor of Larger Recode, executive editor of The Verge, soon-to-be sad Patriots fan. How's it going, Walt? <laughs> I'm a happy Patriots fan, Eli. <laughs> How's it going with you? I'm very happy Are you Packers Are you fan. over We're... the fact that your team just squeaked by a team with a rookie quarterback by three points? I mean, really? That's what, that's what my team does. We, we bring excitement. We bring... <laughs> Uh, we bring high-end execution. And you bring moments. near losses, apparently. Yeah, but yeah. Well, you know, but that's what you <laughs> want out of a team. You want you want triumph. Uh, anyway, if you are listening to the show and you would like Walt and I to record an episode of Control Delete at the Super Bowl when the Packers <laughs> and Patriots inevitably face off, uh, please send an email directly to Walt. Uh, his email address <laughs> is available. <laughs> I'm sure he'd like to arrange that with you. <laughs> <laughs> You got to stop. Uh, yeah. Stop. Uh, <laughs> kind of don't want to. Anyway, Walt, uh, this week you wrote about online ads, which is something we have been talking about on the show on and off forever now. Yeah. Um, they're getting worse in specific ways. Yeah. There's a little bit of a newsy element to what you wrote. Uh, Medium, the inescapable platform company that people write on when they don't have a platform to write on of their own. Right. Uh, shifted their entire business model. They they laid off a bunch of people. They said they're doing something. It sounds awfully like, like subscriptions. The New York Times released a report this week, uh, New York Times 2020, saying, make no mistake, we are a subscriptions company. Uh, and you kind of unpacked it all for us. So why don't, why don't you tell us about it? So, uh, sure. Um, this is something, as you, as you said, that's been uh, out there. I think a lot of people, uh, you can... I can tell just by the uh, way my Twitter feed looks today, a lot, a lot of people are really unhappy about the uh, ad experience, the over, the experience they're getting on the web that they believe has been degraded because of uh, the way ads are presented. And um, for me, the kind of uh, breaking point was a simple little tiny incident that happened over the weekend not to get back to our football argument, but let's not argue. I mean, it could be any; it could have been any game. I wanted to look at a highlight uh, on the NFL app on iOS on my iPad um, of the Patriots game, and the play, the clip was 14 seconds, but I had to sit through a 30 second pre roll to watch a 14 second clip, and I can't even remember what the ad was for, which is bad news for whoever paid for that. Um, because it was not well done, not relevant to me. And besides, I was annoyed the whole time that it was a 30-second uh, ad for a 14-second clip. So, um, you know, that that's just one tiny example of the million times a day thing that everybody goes through, whether it's video, whether it's not. I mean, you know, as we could have expected, people have tweeted that, you know, they see some of these, what they consider annoying ad practices on The Verge, on Recode, on other sites in our company, and it's true. Um, I think we're better than most, but I don't certainly don't think we're immune to some of this. Um, I mentioned, in fact, in the column that on uh, the sites where you will re be reading this column, one of the things that happens not every day, but every once in a while, <clears throat> is that there's a giant ad that drops down from the top and pushes the whole site down. Now, that's, you know, uh, probably great uh, for the advertiser, at least in their mind. 
but I'm sure it annoys as many people as it engages. Um, and it's just, it's just the, the, the web has evolved from something that was not meant to be commercial to something that was commercial. And, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with commercial per se to something where I think the advertisers now have uh, 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 gathered so much clout and so much power over publishers um, in cooperation in some cases with the, uh, companies like Facebook and, and Google that um, uh, that the actual experience uh, online has now been seriously degraded in numerous yeah. vectors. And that's what I wrote. Yeah, and it's tough, right? I mean, what you're saying about the complaints we get on our site, those complaints are real and we have a whole ad ops support team and when we see bad ads, they scramble and they try to take them down. But They do. Some of them are, and you can tweet at them, by the way. You don't have to always tweet directly at me. You can tweet right at Fox Ad Support and they will, they will help you out. But the point is they still get through because of the way ads are served and made on the web. And some of the ads, like the, our huge header ads, are unavoidable. That's what the companies that pay the money want to buy. Right. And if that is the market for these things, then I think the question that you asked in your piece was, is there another kind of market? Is there another way for this to go? Because the technology stack and user experience stack of advertising currently is not wonderful. We haven't arrived at a place where users are happy, where publishers are happy, where advertisers are happy. Um, all of those groups are unhappy with the current model of advertising on the internet. And if we don't figure it out and make at least some of those people happy, then there, there's kind of no future for this this type of media business. Yeah, I think that's the bigger worry for um, publishers, uh, for journalists, and, and by the way, for non-journalists, because there are lots of websites that aren't <clears throat> journalistic, but they still depend on uh, uh, revenue, and that revenue is primarily ads. Uh, and it's and it's a, actually an, an issue for advertisers. I mean, in, in researching this piece, I realized that, um, you know, one of the big, one of the big uh, catalysts for this debate has been the rise of ad blockers uh, and the the percentage of people who use them is not a majority, probably. Nobody really knows for sure. But, you know, it's a reasonably healthy minority. I've seen, I saw figures in my checking around of 30, 40 percent. Um, there, there are mobile ones, there are desktop ones. Uh, uh, and uh, some of them, I, I go in, in the piece I mentioned, and we've reported on this on the, uh, on the Verge, that some of them have have become sort of their own their own ad placement companies. Uh, mm -hmm. They're they're basically charging people to get whitelisted, and then they're placing the ads uh, on people's sites, saying, um, "Well, these are acceptable ads. We think these are non-obtrusive ads," and that's their judgment. Most of them have somewhere in them still some setting where you can say, "I don't want to see any ads," but. <clears throat> the problem for that is, of course, you're cutting off the revenue stream for websites whose content you may you may value. Uh, but the ad blockers did uh, have are serving a purpose of getting the ad uh, agencies and the and the whole advertising community to rethink what they're doing. And I quote uh, quoted mentioned in the piece linked to some uh, comments from the Interactive Advertising Bureau which is the trade association of that industry, uh, admitting that they may have gone too far, that, you know, uh, urging their members that the way to battle uh, ad blockers and to battle this opposition is um, to do better, basically to do better ads, ads that are leaner, ads don't slow down the loading of pages that therefore, you know, may not be able to carry a hundred different analytics services secretly and silently with them, uh, ads that um, don't, for instance, autoplay video and audio uh, and you go crazy trying to figure out where the hell it's coming from when you have a bunch of tabs open in your browser. They themselves are, are have established standards and programs for their members. And they also said, um, and this resonated with me because of my background, they said, um, 
we think media companies, publishers ought to establish very tough advertising standards departments mm -hmm. that can say, um, you know, this ad, this ad, we're not going to, it might cost us money, but we're not going to accept this kind of ad any longer on our site because we don't think it's up to our standards or serves uh, to further the the bond between our site and our readers. And, you know, I came up in print at the Wall Street mm -hmm. Journal uh, a long time ago, and they had a very tough advertising standards department. There were different issues. I mean, because it was print, uh, the ads were rel were static, but there the standards issues were the content of the ad. You know, did they think the product was phony? Could it run uh, alongside of our kind of journalism? There's no reason not to have that kind of thing at uh, a publisher. And, I, you know, I think most publishers have some online publishers have some version of that. They don't take every and any ad. But um, the ad industry itself is saying this, we should be tougher about it. Yeah. And certainly we, for example, Vox Media hasn't has standards, right? We we won't just run any ad. In fact, right. our we have a huge dev team that actually makes the ads ourselves. It's a whole business that I don't, I actually tr do my best to not understand too yeah. well because right. we have a wall. Um, but it's there. I think the issue, and I, I'm I, I think I want to dive into you and your experiences of the journal during that time because I'm assuming most of our listeners have no idea how a print newspaper ran before the internet. I certainly don't, so I'm very curious about that. But the issue is that at that time, there was only one Wall Street Journal that was on print, and there was only one New York Times, there was only one Time magazine. There was a lot of scarcity for these big-name publications. Yep. If you wanted their audience, you had to do what they said. And in your column, you told a story about when you were starting Recode, about what an <laughs> advertiser said to you. Because there's now, there's not scarcity, there's total abundance. Right. So if you have an ad and you want to run it and the New York Times don't take it because it's not, doesn't meet their standards, you can probably go find that audience on a bunch of other sites that will take your ads. And so the the, the power is kind of reduced. But to, I want you to tell the story that's in your column. Yeah, the story it, really it wasn't so much about standards. It was about... Uh, their perception of our uh, CPM, which is a pricing mechanism, uh, cost per thousand uh, uh, impressions. And impressions, and um, you know, we had ad salespeople and business side people, and I don't remember being personally involved in even deciding any of that stuff. I think I, uh, I was the co I mean, I was the co-founder and co-CEO along with our friend Kara Swisher, and um, Kara and I were briefed occasionally, but I don't think we fully understood where that, <laughs> where that stood relative to other stuff. And and like you, we didn't want to get, you know, that much involved in it. Um, so there, I, uh, we, we launched the site January 2nd, 2014. Um, Recode, just Recode, to clarify. The site Recode, Recode, which is now, big a, deal. now a member site of Vox.com, but it was, a it was a big deal. Vox Media. Oh man, if it was a member, uh, but not Vox.com. Ezra's just going after yeah, Ezra it. would love that. Yeah, no Vox <laughs> Media, and um, and we, <clears throat> you know, had just fresh come fresh from the Wall Street Journal and from a site we we're running uh, that was owned by the owners of the Wall Street Journal, but which we created called AllThingsD.com, and it was a big deal in uh, journalism and in tech journalism that we were going off on our own. People wrote stories about it and. Uh, so we started and we had the same staff uh, that we had had uh, at allthingsd.com, which was an excellent staff. And um, I I was at a dinner, like one week in. Carol was actually at the same dinner. And uh, uh, I was seated next to the number two guy at one of the very biggest ad agencies, uh, ad companies in the country. And uh, he was also kind of a, he was kind of a tech fan. He knew me, knew my work. And he complimented me on the site, the quality in our first week and talked about how much he'd enjoyed our previous site, which we had uh, mig essentially migrated uh, the style and the people over to when we started Recode. And I said in my, 
you know, attempt to yeah. be a CEO, I said, so you're going to put ads on the site because uh, you like it and you think it's high quality and you, you know. And he said, yes. And now I'm paraphrasing and I was paraphrasing in the column, but he said, yes, we will do that for a while, but then we're going to drop cookies with the ads, which didn't shock me. I mean, I knew that's what was done. And we'll begin following your readers around the web, which I hated, but I knew that <laughs> was done. And he said, I didn't hate it because they were our readers. I just, I hated it then. I still hate it just because I think it's an invasion of privacy. And he said, um, and when we find out where they go, because they do visit other sites, uh, and we find out which ones are, you know, much cheaper than Recode, we'll pull our ads and we'll put our ads on the cheaper sites. So it was like uh, we were just a lead generator for him of high-value targets for his ads because these were people that appreciated our quality and were interested in tech. And it, in fact, the readership surveys we did eventually, we, we had done it all things D and we eventually did it recode show. We had a high, just like The Verge does, a high-income audience, you know, kind of influencers, that kind of thing. Um, so they were valuable people to put ads in front of and he just wanted to do it more cheaply. So if they were interested in, I don't know, archery, in addition to whatever they were doing, he'd go to archery.com. Forgive me <laughs> if this actually exists. I've never been there. I don't The mean, CEO of archery.com is crying. He's right crying. I, I, I don't, I don't mean any, it's probably a great site, but it could be that maybe it was, <laughs> maybe it was cheaper to put an ad there than on Recode. I really encourage everyone to go to archery.com. <laughs> it redirects to something <laughs> super hilarious. Anyway. And, and uh, yeah, and it was just cold-blooded. And, you know, when I was coming up at the journal, the idea was uh, whenever I would talk to our ad people or have any exposure to it, the philosophy was um, people want to put ads in the Wall Street Journal because the Wall Street Journal carries quality uh, journalism and um, it therefore has a high-quality audience. It has a wealthy audience, it right. has an influential audience, all that stuff. The two things were tied together. He was basically saying they weren't. And I, it was, and you're right. It partly had to do with that scarcity thing, but that was a little bit of my initiation into web advertising. I mean, I'd been running a website for years, but I hadn't been running the advertising part of it, and and now it was reporting to Karen me, and this was a weekend and a conversation with a high level person. So yeah. And I, you have told me about that conversation so many times. You, you have never failed to sound completely disgusted with how online ads work. Yeah, uh, when you recount it, because it, it is, it, it is saying you, there, you're creating value for readers for your audience, and we're just going to take it, and it doesn't right. matter. We don't need to have a relationship with you. We can just go figure out who your readers are, who your audience is, and then we'll just find them again later for cheap. And that means that what you make, what we make, what all the media makes, um, gets devalued. And you, there's a direct line from that to suddenly the ad experiences everywhere, all over the internet, are degraded and really intrusive because everywhere you go, there's a lot of different advertising vendors trying to capture a slice of your attention. Or there's a media company that knows that you could get stolen and found somewhere else, and they have to deliver... I'm, you can't see me, but I'm putting the word value in quotes. They have to deliver more value <laughs> to their advertisers by capturing more of your attention, which ends up with everyone wants to come to whatever NFL.com to watch NFL highlights because we're the only site that has them. So we can put 30 second pre-roll in front of the highlight. Right. And that's it's. It is just a direct cause and effect of those two things. So what do you think? Well, and, I, and when this, I think there's there's one other thing, which is I think there's. There's a colossal, um, you know, even even when you have a high quality site like um, uh, I, I'm very proud to say we do at The Verge and Recode still is and uh, all the Vox Media properties, um, you you have to constantly promote it. Um, now, every, the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, even in those old days when they were only print uh, newspapers, they promoted themselves, of course, but... Um, it's almost feverish the degree to which people are forced to promote themselves today because you, 
you want to show uh, that you're a good place to put, well, you want to get readers, but ultimately you want to be able to support yourself. Yeah. And I, I think that, that we talked last week about the cable companies and unbundling and rebundling and how you create value in the bundle because you stick advertising in it. Now, when everything has to stand on its own, you've got to put advertising right on top of it. You can't layer it into the middle. So I, I got to ask, did people complain about the ads in the Wall Street Journal before you guys went fully digital? Was that a thing that you ever heard about? Um, you know, very occasionally. Um, and it was, mo frankly, it was mostly reporters <laughs> complaining that there was an ad that seemed kind of trashy or it somehow it slipped through the filter. It was an ad for some junky thing, uh, which the Wall Street Journal typically didn't didn't run. That was part of their standards thing. But no, I don't think there was much complaint about it. And the interesting thing is that the advertisers, um, and maybe this goes back to the scarcity thing, did not have a lot of power over editorial. Now, thank God, uh, you know, we don't, advertisers don't have any control over our editorial. Um, but I'm not sure that's true all over the web. Um, and uh, certainly uh, in print, it wasn't true. I mean, you know, if you were running a small town paper somewhere and the biggest advertiser was the used car dealer or the car dealer uh, and a young reporter you hired found out about, I don't know, ripoffs at the car dealer <laughs> or something, that story was never going to run. Yeah. It was just never going to run in that little paper. But in any paper of any size that was committed to good journalism, they would, they would take, take on, you know, they would take the risk. And um, when I started my tech column in 1991, one of the things I said to the editors was, you understand that I'm going to be directly, uh, in some cases, uh, recommending that people don't buy the products of companies that are big advertisers in the paper. I'm going to be directly criticizing advertisers. Um, you know, because there's some kinds of journalism yeah. that don't touch on the advertisers. They may get politicians mad. I've had that happen to me too <laughs> at other points in my career. But, um, you know, uh, but they, they weren't going to directly, but I was going to directly be saying, you know, Microsoft blew it on this product or Apple blew it on this product or, you know, and all these companies advertise, they all bought, and, and, yeah. and believe me, a full page ad in the Wall Street Journal in those days, in the print Wall Street Journal, if I'm remembering correctly, was something like 150 grand. That was a black and white before they went to color. I think when it went to color, it was over 200 grand for one day national run, at least for a while before, you know, the web just you know, <laughs> came along. Before the web ruined everything. Ruined print. But, um, <laughs> And and to their credit, they said to me, um, don't worry about it. And no one ever in all the years I was writing my column there, just like no one has ever done it at The Verge or Recode, uh, no one has ever uh, told me I couldn't do that because it would annoy an advertiser. Right. Uh, but I do that know that when I was getting started, um, a couple of big companies did i didn't know this till much later but a couple of big companies did demand that they fire me or of kill course. the column um, <laughs> and they wouldn't they didn't even tell me it like came up in conversation six months later or something yeah. so i mean i that's par for the course right i mean if, that, if you have a good media company you know there's the advertisers they don't have to abide by the wall. So they they try to break through it all the time. And if you have a good media company, your sales side keeps you insulated. They, they'll hear about it, but they're going to keep you insulated from it. Right. I think we have that relationship with our sales side. And certainly all of the big major papers have that very clear relationship just in from Walt's experience with the journal, from our friends who work there still, from our friends who work. It, that wall is really important. But I think what's happening online is users can't perceive that wall the way the advertising is delivered is just bad. It's just not a good user. No, I think that's a great way to put it. Um, and I want to. I think this is a good point to stress that um, we both understand that we're paid from the proceeds of advertising. Um, we are not against advertising. Uh, at least I'm, I. I wrote it in the piece, and you didn't 
Nobody yeah. made me write it. I just, you know, I'm not against it. I just think it's being delivered in a way that actually is uh, bad. It's bad for content. It's bad for publishers, but it's bad for advertisers. Yeah. And somebody has to do something about it. Or what will happen is more and more and more sites will become subscription sites. And depending on the way they do the paywall, uh, they'll be cut off uh, in in part or in or in large part from the conversation on social media or among just among people. And those prices will get higher and higher. So I, I want to talk to you about that a little bit. So there's obviously the journal was paywalled. All things digital was very early, not, yeah. Was not No, yeah, all things digital was not, that's right. Was was not paywalled. Um you you know poked around the medium situation. You you wrote, I believe they're going to subscriptions and from what I know of Medium, it <laughs> certainly sounds like, you know, they, they got rid of all the people who do ad sales there. They're yeah. trying to build something else. So presumably they're going to do subscriptions. Um, the We read that New York Times thing I quoted at the beginning. We are a subscriptions company. Yeah, that was Do you really think that's a viable path forward that we're going to get? I get questions all the time. Can I just pay you at The Verge and I don't have to see any more ads on your site? And- I will tell you, I would, I would love to be able to offer that to you, but the price I would charge to make it worth it would be so high that no one would pay. At least that's the math that the business side tells me. But do you think subscriptions are a viable path? Yes, I think if, if I, every media site was like, we're going well, you know, yeah, yeah, well, to charge you a penny per page view. It's sort of yes, but. Yeah. Um, and the but is you have to be, offering something that people that people are willing to pay for and not everybody is there's a lot of uh there's a lot of websites that well first of all i mean let's put aside all the ones that aren't journalism which is probably most of the web but um even in the journalism ones there's a lot of people sites that do commodity news mm -hmm. we it's a term we use which means you can read it in a lot of places and you don't really have much to add to the basic story such and such relatively minor company reported such and such earnings that's a minor that's a commodity business story um you know if there's a story behind it that you know about and your site has it then it becomes not commodity but for the most part uh, those things are, are commodity uh, news. Um, you know, there's there's commodity. You know, Congress passed a resolution today declaring it National Something Day. You know, that's a commodity <laughs> thing. Uh, the weather, uh, you know, there's lots of commodity stuff that you can find in a million places. So you have to have a lot of stuff that's not commodity. In fact, that New York Times report we should maybe explain there was an internal report released, uh, made public yesterday about uh, where the New York Times is heading. And one of the things, and it talked a lot about redesigning the organization for digital, but one of the things it said, uh, in addition to that they're a subscription site, it said that they're printing uh, or they're running too much commodity news, too much news that you can get every, a lot of other places for free and that they're not adding much to. Um, and I don't think they meant to be critical of their own organization. It's just the nature of those stories. Right. So, um, so subscriptions can work if you're not commodity, if you have something of value, if it's worthwhile to you, a person in her life or her job to have the information you offer. Now, I think we have that and I don't know what the economics uh, would be for a subscription. But, um, you know, there are different kinds of subscriptions. There are porous ones. There are ones where you get 10 free articles and then it starts to tell you you don't. Uh, right. You have to pay. The journal has, a, 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 I think, a relatively tight one uh, or maybe the tightest one. Um, but even they have some exceptions. Um, right. If you, if you usually just Google the headline of a journal piece and come at it through the Google search page, they'll let you in, which yeah. is my favorite workaround. Right. But if you try to, as I mentioned in the piece, my wife saw something in the journal uh, and uh, wanted to share it or 
you know, send it to our son. He said, thanks, but he couldn't read it because he didn't have a subscription. You need to be able to send a link and have somebody click on it and get to the, get to, or, or tweet it or whatever and have somebody be able to get to it without uh, running into the, the paywall for it to be fully in the conversation. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think, part of the problem because journalism wants to be, to have an impact, wants to be fully in the conversation. So, you know, subscriptions are um, not as simple as they sound. But, um, and by the way, they still have ads. It's not as if <laughs> they don't have ads. <laughs> I mean, New York Times said it's a, that in that report that it's a subscription first publication, then it's not going to go around chasing clicks and page views. <clears throat> which are the kind of currency of being able to charge more for ads. But um, it, it didn't say they're not going to have ads. They have ads. I mean, and that's been the model for hundreds of years, right? Right. S subscriptions and ads. I mean, I have, a, I, have, I have a newspaper from the American Revolution days. <clears throat> it had a price, of, I don't know, a penny or something, and it also had ads right on the front page. You know, it was both. It's been going on for a long time. And so the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and the Financial Times and the Boston Globe and uh, all these other papers that are a subscription uh, still sell ads. And so they still have some of the same advertising problems online. This episode of Control Walt Delete is also brought to you by Vivint Smart Home. Not long ago, the term smart home simply meant a remote controlled home. But now there's a company that's worthy of the intelligence that the title Smart Home implies, Vivint Smart Home. As the number one smart home provider in the United States, Vivint Smart Home is already used by more than a million customers and counting. With all the smart cameras you'll need from indoor, doorbell, and outdoor wireless security cameras to smart thermostats, locks, and voice-controlled Amazon Echo, you won't believe how many unexpected conveniences Vivint offers. Whether you're traveling or in the middle of a busy day, you can easily adjust your thermostat, lock, and unlock your doors, check the live feed of your cameras, all right from your phone on Vivint's 4.5 star rated app. Best of all, you get award-winning around-the-clock professional security monitoring, which may help you qualify for a 15 to 20% discount on your homeowner's insurance premiums. And with Vivint's free customized smart home consultations and free professional installation, getting a smart home is simple and easy. With all the benefits that the Vivint smart home and security system offers, it's no wonder they are the number one smart home services provider in the United States. Go to vivint.com slash Walt to learn more. That's V-I-V-I-N-T dot com slash Walt. I, what's interesting to me, if you stop thinking about the big print companies out there and you think about the new big media companies, Fox Media, BuzzFeed, right. Vice, um, you know, BuzzFeed, they don't have really display ads on their page, right? They they create a lot of reach. You know, they they put rubber pants around a watermelon until it explodes and like hundreds of millions of people watch it and they create these massive distribution channels and then they let advertisers pay them to make content, branded content that they then also put out through the distribution channels. We, Vox Media does the same thing. There's branded content on all of our sites. Right. Um, you hopefully can tell the difference. You know, yeah, you know, you can tell the difference on our, uh, uh, when I was writing that, I decided to go back and double check. You yeah. really can d tell a difference on our site. We, uh, in fact, right next to my my column on The Verge is a paid content thing. It's just one, you know, list yeah. of other things that are legitimately other, you know, editorial articles. And it says paid content from, but it says, but it has the brand in huge letters. I mean, you could not actually confuse that with the- right editorial articles above but As what's in interesting to me is if you get away from the ads and you start monetizing the distribution channel which is what branded content does then you've kind of like un uncoupled the relationship of value of money for journalism and the people who are reading the journalism and the value for the distribution and so then you can come incentivized to build more and more bigger distribution because that's the thing that's valuable yeah so there's actually like a purpose to have advertising on the page because it makes the page itself valuable rather than just the distribution. And I think that is, to me, that's like a big thorny problem that's coming up, right? If we want to go no ads, but we're, we're going to sell branded content to everybody, then suddenly the distribution channel, it becomes the valuable thing. 
and actual content becomes the thing that just helps you build. The and the distribution channel. channel is what? Facebook, right? Yeah, it's Facebook and Twitter and search and all the <clears> 500 <throat> platforms that we publish on. I mean, we we just thought about this a lot when we were redesigning. What are our primary platforms? Where do we want to find our audience? And the answers basically came down to what icons do you have on the home screen of your phone? Like, I, everybody has a browser, so we should probably be pretty good at, at, at the web experience and search because people still search for things on their phones all the time. Yeah. Everybody has Facebook. We got to get good at Facebook. Everybody knows that. Everybody has YouTube. We got to get good at video on YouTube. And a lot of people have uh, Twitter, you know, like, we're journalists, so we're just going to assume that people care about Twitter as yeah, much well, as we do. That, we uh, may have a skewed view there, but yeah, yeah exactly. And then uh, the one, uh, our engagement editor, our wonderful, talented engagement editor, Helen Havlock, pointed out that Instagram, everybody has Instagram. So the Verge is going to, you know, we spend a lot of money on photography and we're going to put that on Instagram. But a Verge photo on Instagram, we're delivering something to our reader. We don't have a way to directly monetize that. We just have to hope that someday Instagram finds a way to layer ads into that experience that accrue back to us that those are like big thorny questions like should yeah. i charge people on instagram a subscription to follow the verge feed but you can't. i think the answer is no you can't even do that now even if you want it oh you right? could hack it right send me an email with a dollar and paypal and i'll uh, you know <laughs> it's a private account and i'll unlock it for you like you could it's probably not a great idea but you, you could do it the, but i don't know I don't know if the future of the business is we're going to get rid of ads because they're a terrible experience and we're just going to start charging everyone. There are, there are knock-on effects to that too. Mm. For example, if you don't have a lot of money, suddenly your access to high-quality information goes away. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You're, you're going to read so, the garbage. So in that sense, just for all their flaws and for all their kind of morphing into, you know, ad placement, you know, operations – Ad blockers are serving a purpose. They're serving right. a purpose of maybe being a wake-up call to the advertising companies and, and to the publishers about, you know, let's pull back from just going berserk here and, mm -hmm. and making these pages ugly and making them slow. I mean, people like Inside Baseball, there's been some already on this podcast. Let's talk about some more. One of the things we do at Fox Media not fox.com, although it includes them, is that we <laughs> is that we have, we're held to uh, a goal of constantly improving our load times, on, particularly on mobile, mm -hmm. uh, in browsers, which means we have to figure out a way to shed a whole bunch of things people don't see. Um, yeah. uh, you know, some of that is editorial and some of that might might have to do with what the advertisers want to put on the page. Um, and, uh, you know, this matters to us for the reasons you just stated. Uh, yeah. so we need to get better at it, but the ad people need to be, I think one of their principles now is to be lean and, uh, you know, that means that just because they can have, you know, endless animations and audio, self-playing audio and flashing lights and, 72 analytics, <laughs> you know, pieces of code that come along with it, just because they can do that and they have done that, maybe it isn't wise for them to keep doing that. Right. Uh, and I think that's one hope. There's another thing that I suggested in the column, and uh, I know you have some thoughts about it, but, um, you know, one thing I like, and some websites do this, uh and we used to talk about it a lot when we were starting Recode, was um, sponsorships. So in other mm -hmm. words, instead of having a million ads that push down the header of the site or cover content or, you know, pretend they're articles or whatever, just say, you know, Ford Motor Company is sponsoring this, uh, The Verge today. Right. Or this section of The Verge today or my column or your column or whatever. And uh, they you, they get one small ad and, you know, it's kind of like on public television. Yep. You'd have to ensure people because a sponsorship implies, I think, closer collaboration, uh, even if there isn't any real collaboration, it implies that. I think you'd have to 
find a mechanism to make absolutely sure that readers don't think Ford is somehow, uh, in my example, uh, interfering with our content, particularly our transportation content. But I think you could do that. I think it's doable. Yeah. I don't think well, people I, I got a, sitting- I got a story for you. The yeah, story is not old. It's from the early, early days of The Verge. Okay. Um, it's, it's uh, hopefully I don't get in trouble for telling this. I'll, I'll, I'll leave the major names out of it. But we did a video series yeah. about startups and it was sponsored by a big tech company. And we made the whole series. It's great. Cool. And the tech company comes in at the very end and says, oh, we forgot to tell you, uh, we don't want any of our competitors' products to be shown. <laughs> and we said, well, they're startups. They all have MacBooks. <laughs> <laughs> you can't film a startup without showing some like iPhones and Apple. You know, it's like they're in there. So this like, was a company that made something that competed with MacBooks and iPhones. Yes. Yeah. And that's, they said, well, well, they a said, lot we'll of take them, it all out. So you're not necessarily It's a lot, it's a lot of companies. I'm not, there's no way to identify the company, hopefully. It's old. Yeah. It's, it's all over. Just we know it's uh, not Apple. So. It's not, it's not <laughs> Apple. <laughs> I think Apple has only advertised on the verge like a handful of times and they, they yeah. don't do this kind of stuff anyway. So anyway, uh, <laughs> they came and said, well, so what did you just do? blur all the logos out? And we said, absolutely no. Like this is our content and you're sponsoring it. Right. And, uh, and eventually uh, our at our business side, again, I really, I love and respect our business side because they're very protective of us said, you know what? We'll make it up to you. We'll put your ads somewhere else. We'll do something else. But this this is going to stand alone, and you're not going to sponsor it. But those are if we were a smaller company, if we were less fierce about it, if any one of a hundred things, you know, if Vox Media wasn't going to make a bunch of money in some other place, and we really needed all these things, whatever. You could see how that that line gets you could real, real fast. And I I completely agree with you. And a lot of these solutions won't work for smaller, weaker. Uh, operations, I, I recognize that, but um, I but don't. I, think that, I don't think people think that if if uh, that company, whichever it was, sponsored, I don't know, Frontline. That yeah, I don't think people think oh they get involved in Frontline, and I so I think we can get there. We and other our competitors and others on the web that have some some gravitas can get there if, yeah. if, we, if we wanted to. The, the, now the I haven't discussed this with me. anybody and, and there are, and there are professionals in our company and other companies who probably have thought about this and no six reasons why it doesn't work, but um, it certainly would solve the problem of clutter. And I think actually um, uh, inattention because what's happening is, you know, there's so little actual attention paid to a lot of these ads that the metrics they use to measure mm -hmm. whether you've actually watched them are ridiculous. They've had to go to a, what is it, a three seconds of watching the video? Yeah. And it counts? Yeah. That's, that's insane. <laughs> that's absurd. You haven't absorbed some, you know, really creative people. And let's face it, there are people, every bit as creative working in ad agencies as work in in news organizations. So some really creative person has tried to put together a clever or funny or, you know, visually engaging ad for, uh, you know, Lenovo or, or, or uh, uh, GM or whoever it is. And, and you, and, and it counts as, as, as having been watched if I watch three seconds of it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Well, you know the thing—the thing you're saying about creative, um, like the creative talent advertising—it goes back to what you're saying. Like, you like advertising. I like advertising. I think a lot of people are unaware of the fact that they also like some advertising because great advertising is like culturally transcendent, right? Like, Coca-Cola advertising has historically broken through. Nike makes great ads that have created moments in culture. Apple. Uh, there's a, yeah, a million Apple ads that we can all probably name off the top of our heads. Uh, I know I can remember exactly what the Microsoft Windows 95 first ad that had the Rolling Stones start me sure. up in it. Yeah. Like there's, there's so many of these. Um, but I don't think any of those have come out of digital advertising. 
right? Those are all TV and print ads. They're all TV, yeah. Um, yeah. It, I mean, one, you're going to laugh at this, maybe. I don't know. But one I like is it's a Chevy ad where um, they took all the all the, uh, all the the uh, branding off the cars, all the badges. And yeah. they have a bunch of people they claim are, you know, not actors. <laughs> and I'm sure when I say that, I, I mean, <laughs> they may be right. <laughs> and they ask these people, what, do, what who do you think made this car? And they say, oh, Mercedes and whatever, you know, and it turns out to be a Chevy. They found and, the four people who have never seen a Chevy before. <laughs> Well, you know, there are people that don't pay that much attention, Eli. But and their Chevys, some of them are nice yeah. looking. So you know, there you go. But the point is, I remember that ad, and that's very unusual because I try very hard not to watch TV ads. Like when when Hulu announced that for four dollars more a month you could not watch any more ads, yeah. I signed up for that in thirty seconds. And um, it's just me. I, I mean. Peter Kafka, our colleague uh, in in media, who's almost import, as important to us as Dieter Bone, who we have <laughs> there to he mention. Is. Um, I mention. <clears throat> um, <laughs> Peter will tell you that Hulu has told him that you know the vast majority of people still are, are, would rather pay less and s go through the ads, which you can't fast forward through and all that. But um, I don't like to watch TV commercials, and yet I can I can remember some of them. I can't think of a web ad, maybe you can, but I can't, that that didn't run on the company's own site. Some of them, mm -hmm. some companies have beautiful sites which deserve credit and they're in a sense ads, but a, an ad that ran on Facebook, on Twitter, any of these distribution channels or on a site like ours, I can't think of, a, of one that's super memorable. Can you? No, not unless they're repurposed TV ads that are running in video players. Yeah. Right? But you, yeah. you can tell when it's the TV ad versus the digital ad. I think this is the, right? It, it comes down to what's valuable. Like, what's making an impact? Like, you can browse the web all day. You can read online all day. But where the big impact comes are still these other forms of media. And the, the, the digital side is scrambling to figure out how to make it valuable, both in terms of dollars, in terms of impact, in terms of all that all the other implications that there are. And, um, you know, as someone who you have navigated the transition from print to digital, you've seen the whole thing. What do you think the way out is? Like, do you, right? Like, in terms of Do you know what I audience, honestly, what I honestly think? I mean, I, I, I'm serious when I say I'd love to see somebody make a serious go at it with, a, with the sponsor, with the PBS sponsorship thing. Mm -hmm. I realize there are problems and it doesn't work everywhere and it may not work many places, but I love to see somebody try that. But what I really think, and, and I also know that some people are going to do subscriptions, but I think there's a limit. Uh, there's a limit to that. Um, I would really like to believe that people in the ad business will begin to recognize quality and value it. And what I mean by that is two things. Quality in their own product, which is advertising. So in other mm -hmm. words, um, it's much better for us, advertising agency X, working for client Y, to do an ad everyone on the web is going to talk about tomorrow and run it on sites where there are a lot of people who are also influential people on social media. Uh it's much better to do that than to do what we're doing today and get people annoyed at us all the time to the extent that 37% or whatever the percentage are, are running ad blockers. Um, I, I think that's, in a way, the best way out. And in terms of, of uh, our side of it, the publisher side of it, the, the content producer side of it, we need to, we need to have high, high standards. Uh, you know, we need to say... This form of ad, regardless of its content, yeah, is just too annoying to our readers, and we're not going to take it. Now, you know, maybe we're not at the point where uh, we do have. We're lucky. We work at a company where we, there are standards, but these standards that we're able to impose are not. We don't have the clout because of the scarcity thing you described that the Journal or the New York Times could have done. Right, uh, decades ago, I, I I think in a way, you know, I was sitting sitting 
there for three or four days as I was putting this column together and, and thinking it through and researching and thinking, if only I could come up with the answer, this would be the better <laughs> column, the perfect answer, you know. And Rico I 2 begins. <laughs> well, I couldn't. I couldn't think of it. And, and yeah, but, but I think I think it's going to depend. I think the word is quality. Somebody has got to decide that the metrics they're using for impressions, these three seconds of video, or I don't even know what the – you know the page views and 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 all of that aren't really a good indicator of them delivering a message that their the client they're working for is you know making something you're going to want to buy yeah or or stands for you know a lot of those apple ads we mentioned didn't even have a product name in them or a price or any of that stuff right i mean think different right. Whatever I mean, you know. Um, yeah, those those iPod ads with the dancing with people the dancers. With you know, I mean, it just I'm not even sure they the said iPod. Did they say iPod? I don't. I even think know. at the very end it just says iPod plus iTunes. And most of their ads don't even say the word Apple in letters. They just have the <laughs> logo at the end, right? You don't even. Right. I mean, if you didn't know the logo, you wouldn't know what it was. So, you know, I I honestly think uh, the the way we measure that the way the ad community measures it the way the companies that pay the ad industry measures it and the way we measure it has to all somehow change and i don't know how to make that happen but um interestingly ad blockers have pushed it a little bit in that direction yeah i think look we run a tech site we can measure how many of our readers have ad blockers we have a tech savvy audience a lot of our readers have ad blockers. Not, not yeah. as many as you might think, but a lot. Um, some of the other sites in the Vox network, less tech-savvy audience, less impacted, but it's still there. That's good, right? It forces our company to like figure out ways to make money that get around the problem of bad advertising. I think a lot of that answer is going to be around this branded content stuff, which is interesting. We'll see how that develops. It's not, Walt and I have nothing to do with it, but it's interesting. There's a lot of excitement around it throughout the industry. Then there's sort of the other stuff, which is pop-ups and interstitials. I, I can't stand that stuff. And we're lucky that our company has just decided it's not worth it, right? The amount of readers that you will annoy with that stuff right. isn't worth. So we're lucky that we don't have it. Sometimes it slips through. Again, hit the support channels. They'll they'll get rid of it. But it it's fun. Like we, this one company has taken a stand. You can see all the other high quality media companies. And there are you know quite a few of them. We have great competitors. They're trying to make the same moves, but the real big question of, okay, we moved the media when we moved your media experience from television and print to the internet, suddenly the, the questions around how is this actually going to make money is in very sharp relief. And one of those answers, like we said, is, well, we're just going to have the people pay for it directly with subscriptions. And the other answer is, well, hell, we got to figure out advertising. And that is... The number of dollars put into ad tech over the past five years is enormous. If you want to know the most boring story in tech, it is ad tech. And yeah. it's there. If somebody really cared about the ad tech story, and <clears throat> I, I, trust me, every time we write about it, we are reminded that no one really does. Um, there's a huge story there and just how the stuff was developed, the fact that Google runs the biggest ad server, that Google is the only company that truly makes money in the web and Facebook but what Google is delivering, what DoubleClick and the, whatever else Google has is delivering is a lot of the garbage. Yep. Like a lot of this comes down to Google, right? Can Google clean up the, the ad ecosystem that it's built? And that's hard, right? I mean, it's it's that's their revenue engine. And Facebook has a similar problem. It's not only the quality. Um, they have to be careful that the ads that pop up in your news feed don't look jarringly out of place to the point where you're really, really annoyed. But they have to think about how many of them they show you and how often and how do they know? I mean, we've talked before on this podcast about, you know, you make these very occasional kind of purchases, not the kind you make every day. I mean, I bought a new TV and I had done some searching around and research, you know, I was, a, so I left a trail of somebody searching for a TV and I started getting ads for TVs. Well, I'm not going to buy another TV, <laughs> another big screen TV yeah. right now. Yeah, you know, those are it's my just favorite. Idiotically stupid, and um, 
so Facebook and 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 Google have this uh, have this problem. I'd say Twitter needs to work on it, but there's so many things Twitter needs to work on that they seem unable to work on any of them. So I don't know. It's not even <laughs> worth mentioning. I mean, you know. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think looking to Twitter for massive product innovation right now is the right way to go. No, but Facebook has to do it. Google has to do it, and the ad industry has to do it. And and I'm, we have our part to play too. And and uh, you know, I'll be really honest. That I, I know this is going to sound phony, uh, and I'm sorry if it does. But um, when when uh, Kara Swisher and I. Uh, decided that we were going to accept an offer to sell our company. Um, the reason we picked this company, Box Media, was we thought the standards and the culture were right. And we're not perfect. Vox uh, Media is not perfect by any means, but it's, but it's trying to do the right things and make money at the same time. And I'm convinced you can do that. Yeah. And this is not a commercial for us. I mean, there, as you pointed out, we have plenty of competitors that are also trying to do the right thing and make money. And some, some, some have different strategies, whatever. So I, one of the things that gets me about that is it, I, it, the, we're almost in a situation where only the big players are going to win. And the exciting part of the web for me several years ago was that you could just start a new site and put some ads on it and think you were going to be fine, right? You could start a new site and grow your audience and, you know, the, the ad infrastructure would kind of run itself and it would generate revenue and you'd be great. I don't think that's true anymore, right? I think that was probably your bet when you were starting Recode. You're going to start a great site, you're going to get a big audience. You obviously had the big conference piece next to it as well, but it there was a, a, a there was a moment when it felt like great, Writing great well, not content just a big, was going to do it we, on its We own. wanted to get a big audience, but it didn't matter to us if it was the biggest audience. It mattered to us that it was big enough, but extremely important was who they were, right. you know, the quality. And one of the things, and this is another big problem that has to be resolved, is we quickly learned uh, that um, these the, the ad agencies, the ad buyers – mostly just look for gross numbers. Yeah. And and that wasn't true to my knowledge in the old newspaper days. Um, although there were very poor ways of measuring. Um, to the extent they could be measured, they cared about the quality of, of the nature uh, of, of who was reading it or, or who was watching it. And um, the, on, But on the web, it's just like, you know, <laughs> Ton, tonnage I read somewhere, you know, I mean, it's big. Yeah. Well, on that depressing note. <laughs> yeah. No, look, here's the thing. There is a lot of innovation in the space. It's just, like I said, it's, it's happening on the, on the ad tech side of the house. And that is very few people want to read about it, but it's changing that I think as Walt pointed out um, in his column, there are major executives at major media companies who are like, you know what? You should use an ad blocker because it's kicking this industry in the ass and that's what we all want. Um, and I think that's important. It's just, it's going to take some more time. But I think the more we all talk about it and the more we all say, hey, this is the media experience we want, but you have to make the revenue side of it as valuable and as interesting as the editorial side, the media side that we want. That's gonna that's gonna take a, a while, and I, I don't think it's just gonna solve itself. It's gonna take some, it's gonna take some coordinated and energetic opposition to the current state of things. Anyhow, I think that's our show. Uh, if you, I'm gonna just gonna plug Peter's show right away. If you're interested in stuff like this, you should definitely listen to Recode Media with Peter Kafka because he talks about this kind of stuff all the time with a wide range of media executives. And you really ought to listen to the to the particular episode uh, that I referenced in the column which will force you to at least skim through the column. There you go. And See, get now to we're, that we're driving you back. You listen to this, <laughs> then we drive you back to that page view, and then that one's going to take you to a video. It's going to be great. Yeah. We're going to make we're gonna make all kinds of dollars. Uh, anyway, Recode Media is great on the Recode side. Uh, Kara Swisher, who we also mentioned, uh, hosts Recode Decode, which is wonderful. Uh, Dieter Bone, we mentioned him for real on the show, but now I'm mentioning again, he and I host The Vergecast, which comes out on Fridays. Right. Uh, and Lauren Good, who is also wonderful, hosts 
Too embarrassing Fantastic. to ask on the good side. So a bunch of podcasts to listen to. Go listen to them all. Podcasts, of course, the future of media while the web slowly dies. So check that out. That's good. You can also watch our videos on YouTube. <laughs> Just please go there. Watch as many as you can. Sign up for YouTube Red. There's Wait till they spiff up the ads on these podcasts. <laughs> Beyond just you reading them. <laughs> it's random advertisers <clears throat> yelling at you in the middle of the show. <laughs> Anyhow, right. uh, and Walt and I will be back. The mattress store. <laughs> you know, oh my God. I don't know. Uh, and 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 um, go Patriots. I don't know about that, man. Look, wait. wait here's, oh, we both, sure we both have a game to win. win. Yeah. And then I think the, the true... The true rivalry will come out, but I will. I will tell the audience. Walt and I literally spent what was it Sunday, Saturday, just like trash talking over tennis <laughs> about so, a Super Bowl we're not even certain will take place. A certain yeah. Bowl matchup. I'm feeling even, good. I'm feeling. I'm, I'm feeling I'm, good. I'm, too. I'm ready. What you want is good versus evil, and I think it's obvious the Patriots. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's any question. <laughs> Anyhow, we'll be back next week. One or both of us will be very excited because our team will be going to the Super Bowl. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, Walt. Thanks, Neil.